Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is our Monday rundown brought to you as always by SorrySports.com. Sean and I led off today with baseball, believe it or not. We talked about the Patrick Corbin signing and we talked about a few other uh, free agent signings that already happened. Went into a long chat about Manny Machado. Sean splashed a little water on me about that one. Then we talked about just Yankees in general, their free agency, of course. Went into Paul Goldschmidt. He got traded this past week. And then we jumped into the NBA. We talked about the Trevor Ariza trade, and we talked about our biggest disappointment from the Eastern and the Western Conference. Then we jumped into NCAA football. We talked about Kyler Murray winning the Heisman. Obviously, we had to talk about Urban Meyer stepping down at OSU um, retiring. Talked about the Cliff Kingsbury signing by USC, how that is going to work out. And then we talked about a head coaching move that was made about a month ago by Kansas hiring Les Miles. That was a pretty notable one. Finally, we broke down the top 25 in the NCAA, even before conference play. College basketball has been amazing this year. So enjoy the pod. We'll be back tomorrow with our NFL podcast. And have a good night, guys. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We're here for our Monday rundown on, on December Monday. 10th. On a Monday. This is three straight weeks around, bro. We're we're hitting it hard on our Mondays now. We were off for a while. We're back on schedule. We're back, baby. And we're probably doing an NFL pod tomorrow. But that's neither here We've nor been there. back. <laughs> that's right. All right. So uh, today for our rundown, we're going to actually start with Major League Baseball as the winter meetings in Las Vegas officially started today. Um, there's a lot of news to cover ever since we last discussed, you know, the Mets trade last week and where possible destinations for players were going to be. Some of those answers got figured out this week because Patrick Corbin, the biggest free agent starting pitcher on the market, the next day inked a six-year, $140 million deal with the Washington Nationals right after the Philadelphia Phillies said that there was no way they were going to be outbid. Tom, what did you take away from that signing? Let's go. Let's start with that first. I think that the Mets, I said this last week, the Mets, the Nationals, and the Phillies don't really see the Braves as an automatic for the NL East, and I think that division's wide open. That's my first guess. The Nationals are back in it, and I wouldn't be surprised if Harper comes back. I know the owner released something that he doesn't see it happening, but I mean, if you're going to sign that guy, I think you're kind of all in it now. Even though the Mat- the Nats have been all in it since they got Scherzer, pretty much. But if you're going to give that guy that type of money, I think that you're going to pull out all the strings. Yeah, alluding to the to the um, comment that you're referencing, the owner of the Nationals last night, kind of in a pretty sure-fired way, basically said that, you know, paraphrasing that he's not really in our plans and, you know, it's, it's been understood ever since they offered him a 10-year, $300 million deal towards the end of the regular season that was turned down. They kind of had it in their plans that he was not going to come back and that uh, he'd find his next home elsewhere. But my thing is we'll see what the market is. Yeah. And, again, that deal will still be on the table, I think. I so. think that deal will be, but now that they've just – poured a bunch of money 20 about 24 million a year into Patrick Corbin I don't know the way I take away from this getting back to Corbin for a second is he was obviously the best starting pitcher on the market as we've spoken about you know he's a guy young left-hander 29 years old coming off a, a career season in Arizona pitching in a very you know hitter friendly hitter friendly yep. park that yields a lot of home runs facing the Dodgers facing the Rockies um, you know that that's not an easy division to pitch in with some ballparks that are pretty pretty easy to give up a lot of runs, including Coors Field and where the uh, and where the Diamondbacks play. But Chase Field. Chase Field. I don't know even know if it still is. They've changed that name like seven thousand times. Where whatever it's called, we know what it is. And listen, he's trending upward. A young twenty-nine-year-old left-handed ground ball pitcher with big-time strikeout to walk ratio numbers is very appealing. Now, looking at it from the Phillies, they said they really, really wanted him. The Yankees, there was a lot of speculation that he was their top target. And it reports coming out afterwards that they were nowhere close because Brian Cashman said he was not going to go more than four years or five years and wanted to pay him somewhere more in around the $18 million a year range, which I think is responsible for a guy that, although I really liked, 
to give six years 140 is a truckload of money to a guy that's not a Max Scherzer. When Max Scherzer signed a big, that seven-year deal with the Nationals, he was very proven already, coming off a couple strong years in Detroit. So I think Corbin's a little bit more of a wild card. Now he stays in the National League. I think he's still going to have a really good season and, and a, a good career, especially during the length of that contract. But it takes him to age 35 into his age 36 season. I don't know. That's a lot of money to be shelling out for a starting pitcher. I think that the Nationals recognize that he was the best to add to a rotation that's already strong with Scherzer, Strasburg, and Roark after having lost Gonzalez. But I'm kind of happy, you know, from a Yankee fan perspective, is although I wanted him, and this is not just me saying as a Yankee fan, oh, we didn't get him, I didn't want him anyway. I don't want him for that price. I don't know how you feel. Not the money that I'm concerned with. Same thing with Machado and all these big free agents. Six years was too much. Five, I would have. It would be palatable, and four would have been perfect Ideal. sweet spot for me. I'm not concerned about the money, but when I do look at it from a Yankee standpoint, I am a little concerned. Just the way they've been running the organization, because I, I understand you're right. It was responsible, and I'm not that upset about it. I understand that you don't want to do five, six years, but. I don't want this team to turn into a small market team. It still is the New York Yankees. I agree with you, but I think as we run down the line here to the next starting pitcher that signed, Nathan Evaldi. Now, the trend with the Yankees has been to trade for or acquire young starting pitching in their prime, hopefully without giving up a tremendous amount of financial resources. You know, Masahiro Tanaka was the last one they did that with, but he was 24 with no injury concerns coming over from Japan. A little bit different, right? You're throwing seven years, takes him to his age 31 season, not his age 36 season. Now we see with Nathan Avaldi, who is 28 years old, coming off a heroic dream campaign for Boston after being traded over from Tampa, just coming back from Tommy John. The Yankees have seen Nathan Avaldi before, and they traded for him. He was the he was one of those big time gambles on a young pitcher with powerful dominant stuff that showed plenty of flashes in New York. I can recall several games, a couple even against Boston, where he was close to unhittable and he looked great, and then he'd just throw up clunkers. I'm not wishing bad for the guy, but I think we saw his ceiling in Boston. Four years, 67.5. Again, it's not necessarily the money. The Yankees said they were happy to pay him that much. Well, reports said the Yankees were happy to pay him that much for three years. Again, when you know the pitcher as well as the Yankees do, I think we're just so, you know, moment like we were just captured by the moment and saw what he did for the Red Sox that we kind of forget who he's been in his career. Absolutely, and I think that the Red Sox will regret this deal in two years. To be honest with you, I think he's going to make an all-star team next year, barring health, obviously. He's always had the stuff, I think he's going to be an all-star. I think he's really comfortable in Boston, and I know the fans there are forever indebted to him for what he did. But again, four years was a little steep for my taste, where with a guy that the last two years may be... In and out of the DL. Yeah, I mean he's quite had two. He's had two Tommy Johns already. Third time's a charm, though, baby. Yeah, right. And May, it, it won't age, happen again. For me, it's age twenty-eight. Is that doesn't sound that old? And in a lot of pitchers, you know, it's not that old. But he's thrown a lot of innings. He's had gone under the knife a couple times. And that last injury that he had with the Yankees, it wasn't just Tommy John. It was an entire elbow reconstructive surgery that included Tommy John. So I'm again. It's not a matter to me of whether the Yankees aren't willing to spend the money. I think they're willing to spend money and prospects. But I do like how they're being more responsible. And I don't think, you know, you use the term small market as a negative. I don't think it's a negative. I think the most dangerous world for Major League Baseball is if the Yankees, Dodgers, and Red Sox run themselves like a small market team with those big market revenue and resources because if they see a guy that they identify like we saw with Stanton last year you get the National League MVP now you're going to pay a lot of money for that but it worked out he kind of fell into their lap and you know we forget he would he didn't play anywhere close to the NL MVP John Carlos Stanton last year but without him the Yankees are not a playoff team yeah so I still expect that you know you're gonna you're gonna regret the back end of that contract you're gonna have to pay judge you're gonna have to pay some of these other guys and give them the month the years that they want 
Cashman was on record today saying that he still believes that Didi is a long-term cog at shortstop and he'd like to talk about an extension with him despite the fact he's going to miss the majority of the year because of his Tommy John surgery. You're going to be having a lot of guys into their 36-year season, you know, 36-year-old season. And that not that what we were complaining about all those years, how we just had aging superstars and we had so much money tied up in guys that were essentially unmovable. I don't think what the Yankees are doing is necessarily bad. Now, one, the next name I want to bring up to you is Jay Happ, who, you know, I've been a major proponent of. I wanted him the entire spring into the summer leading up to the trade deadline. I think he fits perfect with the Yankees. We saw that he had a tremendous second half and, you know, a disappointing playoff game, but it was only one game. I think he pitches well against the Red Sox. He's battle-tested in the AL East. Yes, I'm going to use my term battle-tested. It is. Everybody take a drink. I haven't been using it lately, dude. you got to give me some credit for that. It's been... Credit to. I've kind of had to bite my tongue. I've caught myself a few times because I <laughs> wanted to. But no, he's a guy that I'd really like. That i really like the Yankees to get back. And it sounds like he wants a three-year deal. I put him and David Robertson in the same category. They want three years. Even if that last year is no good, you know what you're going to get from them. Pay the guys. If you're not going to go out and spend the big money on Corbin or on Nivaldi, you can't, I don't want to see Jay Happ going to the Phillies on a three-year, $42 million deal because the Yankees didn't want to pay that. I'm in agreement with you. and be, I, I definitely want Jay Happ too, but I'm going to put it to you this way. I love the Yankees being responsible, and I don't want to be complaining about uh, Corbin or Nivaldi on the team in four years and we spent all this money. Definitely in agreement with you there, but when the responsibleness bleeds over into a guy like Manny Machado, who we're going to talk about in depth in about two seconds, and if Jay Jay Happ and David Robinson are your two big crown jewels of your free agency, I don't think you did a good job there. I want a Kluber on the team, or I want a well, Machado he's not a free agent. I understand that, but they need to go out and get another starter. Agreed, and that's why I think you know Jay Happ is steady, and maybe they looked at him. I'd and like said, a front end starter. Thank yeah. You. Please and thank you. Well, you're going to have to find that via trade. And, and again, you know, it's going to be depending on what other teams are, are offering for guys like Kluber. You know, there's talks that the Dodgers have, Indians have talked extensively. If that's the case and the Dodgers are willing to part with some of their top prospects, the Yankees have to throw in the same caliber of guys or, you know, offer to take on Jason Kipnis's contract or an Edwin Encarnacion's contract, which is not as appealing, but we just saw the Mets do it with Cano. And if you want a transcendent, difference maker at the top of a rotation, whether it's Kluber or Bauer, we just saw that Car- they extended Carlos Carrasco, so he's not going anywhere. You might have to Bauer do that. Bauer or Kluber. Yep. Bauer's not going to cost you as much, but... No, but you might, not as far as prospects, but I think you're going to have to take Kipnis. Kipnis, so, Kipnis he is can help this an team. all-star, former all-star player, had a couple down years, not because of performance, but because of injuries, although the second half was pretty bad last year. That's a guy right there that I honestly wouldn't mind taking on because you can just slide him right over to first He's base. He's probably your identi- you know, identical Cano. Play, put him at second if you know while while Didi's out, and if you want to put him at first, you can do that as well. But let's go into Machado because I think this is a very interesting conversation to have. And we've kind of teased three hundred million dollars open up the goddamn purse springs, purse strings, Brian Cashman. I, I'm so upset I can't even talk. They said they don't want to go in the range. The Phillies are more interested in him than Harper. Whether that's true, we'll see. But I want this guy on my team. I'm sold. Well, it's not a matter of wanting him on your team. That's obvious. Listen, let's go over. Let's just start off the top. They're not going to give him a 10-year deal, and nor will any other team. I don't know. If the Phillies want him bad enough and they give him 10 and the Yankees didn't want to give him 10. Okay, then fine. I'm happy to take a back seat to that. But I don't think the Phillies are going to give him 10. The Phillies might offer him 7. But again, Phillies 7, Yankees 6, 5, I don't know. The Yankees need to up the the money then. But see, I, I don't think that that's the problem. I think it's going to be who gives him the most years. That's what it was with Cano. The Yankees didn't lose out on Cano because they didn't offer him enough money. Well, Cano got a 10-year. That's what I'm saying, though. But if, so if, if, you're, if, if Philly's if willing to give him... a year or two, if the Phillies give him a 10-year deal, as I said... I'll bow out. Fine. That that's insanity, because I mean, come on. In ten years, we're gonna be old men. That's crazy. Oh, that's disappointing. It is. It's depressing. It's very depressing. You're younger but, than Machado, and I'm a year older than Machado. That's depressing. Yes, but I think I'm two and a half years younger than Machado. All but right. 
We're all going to be old. I'm going to be bouncing my grandkid on a knee on my knee, saying, "I can't believe the Phillies did that." By the time his by the time his career is over, but it's a beautiful image, Tom. <laughs> um, but I'll probably be talking about Sam Darnold to be honest. All right. Um, but again, it, I don't think the Phillies are going to offer him ten. Nobody's gotten a ten since Cano. I don't think it's going to happen again. got 13, but that was an extension. True, but it was an extension. It wasn't just a free agent deal. Um, But if it's between five and seven years, I need the Yankees to get this guy. I need them. I know. And again, though, is it's... it's, We're talking about one of my fathers here. One of my three sports fathers. I know. You love Cashman, as do I. You know he can do no wrong in my eyes. But I am not going to be a happy camper. You're getting a little anxious. I am. Because if you're, you guys are coming in with all this money, they got under the luxury tax, great, hurrah, I'm all excited about that. Maybe a beer will cost a dollar less at Yankee Stadium. Thanks for that. Probably not, though. I was just going to say, but, don't hold your breath on that. But, you know, you go into it, you say that for the forever, they were talking, this is the year that they're going to spend money, right? Yeah, but things changed during that course. We, nobody thought Aaron Judge was going to become the player that he's become. Nobody thought they were going to be able to go out and acquire Giancarlo. Aaron Sand. Judge doesn't play shortstop. But nobody thought that Didi was going to be this good either when they had projected this four or five you years and down the far road. between, do you get a guy that's not even in the prime years of his career who plays one of the most difficult positions in sports to find, and he plays it the best out of everybody? He's the best defender probably. Third base. Didi's a better defensive ranked Well, shortstop. we'll see next year when he's in pinstripes, okay? who's a better shortstop. The guy's got the best arm in baseball, and he's the best hitting shortstop in baseball. What are we doing here? He's 26. If he was 28, 29, 30, okay, fine. He's coming out of his prime. By the end of the contract, he'll be well, he'll be a different player, but you can't go into the you can't go into this time saying this is the year that we're going to go for it and then fall They've flat on your face. They've never said that. They've never said that. They did. No, they didn't. They said this is the year they were trying to get under the luxury tax because it freed them up to make decisions if they wanted to. But that's they're not a, going to recklessly that's an throw money. And, it's I, not. and do you think that's recklessly throwing no, money? No, and I'm though. playing devil's advocate with you, by the way, because I want Machado too. All but right, well, enough. Why can't you get on my side for once? Because I'm trying to have an argument. That's why. It's trying to be. It's we have because enough there's arguments. both sides. There's both sides of it, though. It's no I fun. I don't want to hear the other side because we're both going to come on this podcast when he gets seven and three. 50 from Philly saying what the fuck the Yankees because maybe have done the Yankees something? only wanted to give him five I don't care this is the type of guy uh, uh, Corbin fine Un- completely understandable you, it's a pitcher he's also only played in the NL he stays I think in the, the NL. whole reason that 300 million came out is because Machado's agents are putting in the eight to ten year deal and the Yankees said yeah well you're not going to get that much money for that long. So maybe it's they can get him at 280 for 5. I don't know. And they there have been reports that they've been talking the eight between agent and Cashman. And would I be surprised the money's still on especially after the Phillies got Segura. I still think the money's on the Yankees to sign him. And there was a report earlier by John Paul Morosi who said that an a, a uh, MLB executive said that his market is relatively limited right now because a yep. lot of teams are not being financially irresponsible and throwing a boatload of money at a guy I mean we have to remember it and I totally agree with you the Yankees it's never a bad thing if you can go get Manny Machado He's they a did transcendent not they player. did not need Giancarlo Stanton last year but he fell in their lap I think the way that they're looking at it is this we don't need him we love Andujar who we're paying nothing to for years he only had his first year this year that wasn't even supposed to be played so all the defensive issues and whatever, he was never supposed to be in the major leagues this year. If Brandon Drury didn't have those those headaches and miss all that time, and Duhar never would have broken out of Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. Glaber Torres had his first really full season in the major leagues. Nobody thought he was going to get there that early. Neil Walker didn't do anything out of the gate, and they needed a spark. Didi's been in and out of the lineup with some injuries, and now he's going to miss most of this year. But he's still in his prime from the left side of the plate, a power hitting high average shortstop that brings in a lot of uh, hit, get, brings in a lot of RBIs and plays Gold Glove shortstop. The way they're looking is, listen, we don't need Machado. We would really like Machado, but on our terms. And if I and again, I think you're a better team with him. And I think the fact that if Didi wasn't going to miss most of the year, 
I don't think it would have been even a conversation. And I think I could have lived with that because we saw what Andujar and Torres did. But Machado, if he if they get out, if they if they you know totally out of their price range, and they said I don't want to give you four hundred million dollars for five years or six years, and somebody else does, when you're about to pay Judge and you're about to pay Sanchez and you're about to pay. Uh, you know, Severino, Severino, all these guys, and you still have money to spend. I don't want them to get any less than two of the free of the free agent relievers. Bring back Robertson. If you, if you have to get a discount with Miller, do that. I'd like Britton back, although I don't think he's going to come back to not be a closer. You've got Odovino coming out of Colorado. You've got a lot of options out of the pen, too. Sign those guys because they're much more of a need. And if you find the way to maneuver a situation where you can use Andujar, despite the fact I don't really want to move him, but if you can move him for a Kluber or a Bauer, I don't even think it would take that much, but then Machado opens up for third, great, all in. But don't just throw money recklessly at a guy when you don't really need him. That's my biggest thing. Because then if I found out they paid all this money for him and they missed out on Robertson and a couple of the relievers and Jay Happ signs with Philly, now I'm like, great, what are we going to try to do? Just slug our way again? We missed another good pitcher that we need in our rotation and two good back end of the bullpen pieces. Those are more important, and Cashman has said that. Those are his priorities, and they should be. I agree with you, but I think that if you sign Machado, then you have one of the best trade chips the Yankees have had in the in the longest time since my mind could really remember. But see, now to me, is I think he's more valuable than anybody else on the market. Because if you're hearing you can get Kluber or Bauer without anybody from that level, you're talking about more of an Esteban Floreal or somebody way lower in the minors or Clint Frazier or somebody like that, that's even better. See, I think Andujar's value is too high. I don't think that there's a pitcher on the trade market other than DeGrom, which isn't going to happen, that I that's really going to command that. Bumgarner's not going to command that. So now you're now you're just going to trade one of the best young corner position players in the league just to trade him because you signed Machado? That's being financially irresponsible. I mean, I, I see your point, but I just don't think it's going to get to I'm just to playing devil's advocate, man. That's what I'm saying. There's been though. no talks of it getting to 400. No, but if, like you said, though, if the Phillies just come in and wow with the money and say, like, listen, we need you this bad. We'd like you. We don't even. And Machado says, listen, I don't even care. This is for six years. 400 million, 400 million. And you yeah. hear the Yankees don't pony up. I'm fine with that. No, four hundred million insane. is astronomical. And, and but I don't think who it's gonna... knows that. that. I don't think it's going to. That's but, why I think that three hundred million number was more because he's seeking an eight to ten year deal. But if the Yankees come in and Philly doesn't beat them out by that much, and and their number is not that, cl- and their number is a little bit closer than that, I'm going to be really disappointed when they don't get Machado. Don't make me drive down to the fucking Bronx. I'm not going to make a decision don't on whatever happens with Machado until I see how much he got and I start to read what the you know, what the comparisons were as far as deals are concerned. I really wanted Corbin. And when I saw the national signed him last week, before the numbers that, came out, I yeah. was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was me? pissed too, you put but him then in the, the numbers came out. And then the numbers came out and the year came out. I was like, okay, I'm over, I'm all right with and that. And again, I was blowing up your phone saying, man, I really want a Valdi. I think he could change this, this rotation. A two to three year deal would be incredible. But then the the money didn't really bother me. But the four years, just I thought, listen, the Red Sox are going to regret that deal in a few years. I, I just I just think and he doesn't that, have a track record to show that he's going to be continually great over the course of a full season. Yeah, and he if, had some clunkers with Boston. He just happened to pitch his best baseball when it mattered the most. But and if you when you're put, prisoner of the moment, that's what you look. If at. you can put Miguel Andujar at first. Or you can put Miguel Andahar in left field and have a Machado at third and still have a Kluber because you're talking about lower-end prospects for a guy like Trevor Bauer, whether it be a Clint Frazier, although I don't know if the Indians would take him back. I think they, they said they would, but it would take more. His value has dropped well, a little Floreal bit. and Floreal as well, I think of that's course. what it would take. Dude, that team. And I'd do it in a second. That team would win If the I World see Series. the Yankees, don't, don't even tell me about the money and the free agents. If I see the Yankees didn't get Kluber because they wouldn't include Floreal. Now I'm getting pissed because again, he's a great. He could be so good in a few years, and we'll be so mad that well, he was a former Yankee farmhand. But he's you know what? got a lot of potential. But you know what potential stands for? It means currently sucks. 
Well, it doesn't mean currently sucks. You're that's not. What, you're, that's the definition. Well, it depends. It no, it doesn't. It depends where you are in the league. And if, if no, you're in I know. single he's A, he's a prospect. Yeah. and he's going to be up in five years, and um, he'll probably be great. Well, they look at him as they do, if they don't want to resign Hicks. You know, you're gonna have a you're gonna have an empty in the center field, and I also don't think they want to just move him to move him. Mike Trout's going to be in center field. No, he's not. <laughs> I'm sorry to break your heart, um, but that's not gonna. It, it, you you're not gonna make moves. That's what I'm saying. If you're playing the role of your sports, one of your three sports fathers, Cashman, you can't make moves just to make them. They have to make sense. So again, if I see that the Dodgers were willing to include their young outfield prospect, and you know, eat some salary for Kipnis, who really would hurt them because they don't have a DH or really any kind of infield flexibility, and they had to trade a good player to make that happen in addition to the top prospect, I'd be like, you know what, let them do that. But if if the Yankees, if, if the Indians' main focus was Floreal, and I saw the Yankees didn't do it because they didn't want to trade Floreal, there's very few opportunities to go get a better pitcher than Corey Kluber. That would bother me. But again, it's going to be if the Dodgers just want to go nuts or the Mets want to go nuts and trade, you know, their two, three, four best prospects and and eat another salary. Great. Yeah. Let them do it. But it's all it's all about overpaying. And what we've seen the trend with the Yankees is what's one of the worst free agents, free agency years that we hearken back to. It wasn't even that long ago. Five years ago. Brian McCann off the team in two and a half years. Jacoby Ellsbury can't get on the field. No trade clause. Can't move him. Carlos Beltran got you an okay trade chip two years later who you now who you used for Zach Britton who's no who's probably not going to be on the team anymore. They threw money at guys just because they felt the need that they had to. Even if it didn't make sense. And Yankee fans were going nuts. Oh, I want to see the more intelligent baseball moves. I want to see the younger players. I want this, that, and the third. And the Yankees fans, have, you know, you and I included, have gotten spoiled with how many of these great young players we've heard about have turned out to be awesome. But And Tanaka was also in that free agent class. He was the only one that's turned out to, to really be worth it. Yeah. So... I don't want them to just throw money to throw money and sign people to years because, you know, Beltron should have been a one or two year deal. They gave him three because another team offered him three. You should have let him go. Yeah. In hindsight, to be in 2020. And, and listen, I'm in complete agreement with you there. And I already said this when it comes to Corbin, Ivaldi, and some of these other guys. But Machado's just different, man. He's great, dude. He's a transcendent player, and you don't see guys like like Machado and Harper, who I don't even really want, on the market at 26 years old. No, you don't. But again, that was more because the teams they were with couldn't sign them or entice them to stay. You know, I'm kind of surprised the Nationals and him were never able to get an agreement going. And maybe they will, but it still would be after his, you know, his contract is up. And the Orioles were never realistically going to be able to re-sign Machado. And the only reason he went to the Dodgers was because they lost their starting shortstop. And they don't really have any interest in re-signing him either. And that should be, not a red flag, but that should tell you, listen, think of all these teams that could, that were rumored to go for him. Oh, he's going to be a Cub. No doubt. Philly just traded for Gene Segura. If they wanted Machado that bad to play shortstop, they would not have traded for Gene Segura. The I Yankees think all that plays into the Yankees' hands. Uh, agreed, but uh, but they're not in a. They don't have a gaping hole at short. They do for maybe four or five months. Not even. I mean, if you if you want me to play devil's advocate here, Glaber Torres is a shortstop. Exactly. By trade, so. Exactly. So it, it's a it's a part of necessity. I don't want them to go for him just because he's a transcendent player and you feel you can't live without him when there's still glaring needs and you know you and I in seven months are screaming on this podcast about why they can't go out and get starting pitching because their starting pitching sucks and if they don't score 11 runs a day you know they're going to lose so focus on the areas of need if he works out and you find the you know the money and the years add up Make it freaking happen. All right, I'm all, all right. in for that. You've calmed me down. I'm three espressos deep in the last hour, but you've calmed me down just a little and you, bit. And like I said, I want Machado. It, it's not a matter of me not wanting him. It's just when you have these kind of conversations, it's not as black and white. You got to understand, you know, when you're looking at how baseball's being run, how Cashman's being more financially sensible with the money, yes, they could probably cut loose and spend a bunch. But then we're going to hear about why they have to overpay for stars and they don't let their young players develop. It's all these things that we've been hearing, dude, since, you know, 2004, 2006. Now that we finally have that next generation 
it seems like, you know, oh, right, Didi. Yeah, he's so, he's still good and we love him, but you know what? Kick him out for, for Machado. Machado's a great player. You know who can play in New York is Didi. I think Machado could, but we don't know that. When the start, when the lights were the brightest this this postseason, he didn't really rise to the occasion. And everybody got on John Carlo for having a miserable ALDS, yourself included. Listen, Manny Machado was no better. He just played in more games and was able, you know, pimping a what he thought was a home run, getting a single off the wall. If he did that in Yankee Stadium in a World Series game, we'd be eviscerating him. So we, you know, it, it, he's his numbers are speak for themselves. If it works out, great. They need another starting pitcher, maybe two. I like your idea of the front line guy, which is probably going to have to come via trade, and sign a couple relievers that you know that the that Cashman loves having in this analytical world he lives in. A monstrous stacked back end of the bullpen. You've got Patanzas and Chapman. Go get Robertson back. Don't get outbid on him. I would rather get outbid on Machado than get outbid on guys like Happ and Robertson. Okay, well, uh, to just to give the Yankees a little bit of credit, they did go out and get a Paxson. Exactly, so. and that worked out. You know, they they were able to identify a team that had a that had an, uh, a clamoring to get rid of some of their players and rebuild a farm system. Recognize they're not a win now team. And the Yankees really didn't give up much. They gave up their number one prospect, who they really didn't want to continue to to make an excuse for why he wasn't pitching in the major league level when all the numbers would indicate that. So I, I trust your one of your sports fathers. Whatever happens, happens. I'd like Machado, but I'd like a couple other pieces more. And although Jay Happ is not the sexy name or neither is re-signing David Robertson, Sometimes those kind of moves don't really help you. The Red Sox, one of their biggest acquisitions this entire past year, dude. You talk about JD, you talk about Evaldi, it was Steve Pierce who won the World Series MVP. It's not a sexy, flashy name. Absolutely. If Jay Happ wins just 16 games, pitches well in the regular, pitches well in the postseason, and Manny Machado is out in the second round in Philadelphia, no matter how he could hit 700. If Jay Happ and, and, and Robertson are keys to winning you a, a World Series, I'd much rather have that. Yeah, absolutely. And then let's move on to some other news because we'll have to wait and see with the Machado and whatnot. That's a great conversation, though, man. No, yeah, it was, it was definitely a lot of fun. But let's talk about uh, something that already happened, and that is Paul Goldschmidt has been traded you to the St. Louis Cardinals. And I think that's a huge deal for St. Louis. And he was compared by Tony Tony Larusa as the closest thing to Albert Pujols besides Albert Pujols. Yeah, I love that deal. I, I do. Too. I really do because that guy is the best first baseman in baseball. One of the best defensively and the best offensive first baseman in baseball. No doubt. And he got off to kind of a slow start this year, but he really turned it around. Just had another fantastic year by his standards and by anybody's. Cardinals parted with a couple really good prospects, but the one thing about the Cardinal system. They're always pitching rich. So if they could spend you know, some assets by trading one of their top two young pitching prospects for a Paul Goldschmidt, do it. And now I, I'd look out for them in the Bryce Harper sweepstakes. They do have an opening in the outfield, and what a great pairing. If he fell in their lap, remember, they, they had a deal in place for Giancarlo Stanton last year, and it didn't happen because he didn't want to go there. They did get Marcelo Zuna, had a really nice year. Now, if they could put Harper somewhere in that outfield as well, that's ridiculous. But even if not, they made themselves a lot better. You see the Cubs having you know, their log jam situationally. They can't go get a Harper. They can't make certain moves because they're bound to a lot of players in the position. they got Bryant and Rizzo at the corners with a, with a Javi Baez. And you've got Jason Hayward, you know, locking down right field for a long time. He was another guy that a lot of Yankee fans wanted, and thank God they didn't do that. That was a guy everybody's like, oh, well, on that potential, I know he was not nearly as accomplished as Machado, but you say, oh, that guy's, you know, left-handed bat, speed, power, put him in Yankee Stadium, he's phenomenal. I'm really glad that didn't happen. No, absolutely, but I wouldn't even put him close to to Machado. No, but that is a young... The guy's career was trending downward even in uh, um, in St. Louis as well as... Well, St. Louis, he had an okay year, and, and and that's what the Cubs did was they they bought they bought, you know, on that on that potential. So it, it's not all it doesn't always work out. But I, I going back to Goldschmidt, aren't the Cardinals just such a well run organization? It seems like every move yeah. they make makes sense. I think they're the best organization probably in baseball. 
They're they're right up there, man. They I, really are. They really are good, and they have a good young nucleus. Some, some starting pitching. They've got Hicks out of the bullpen throwing 103. Uh, they're rumored to be in on Britain and Miller. I think that would help them tremendously. So they're not done either. Props to the Cardinals. That was a really good move by them. Yeah, and I think they saw that the Cubs were a little bit vulnerable and that the the Brewers are, are right there. But, again, they're a force to be reckoned with now, and I think that NL Central is pretty wide open. Okay, so give me. I'm going to give you two guys on the trade market who we've heard a lot about and two guys on the free agent market. Okay. Okay, give me your top two guys likely to be traded, prominent names on the trade market, and two guys most prominent on the free agent market to sign during the next few days during the winter meetings. Okay. Go. Just just I'm just just say just say two names that you think that you that Oh, you've I been... thought you were going to throw names at me. No, you no, suck no. at this game, man. <laughs> no, I'm saying um, just just get just go two names. Like pick pick some of the guys that have been most notably mar- marked up in trade rumors. Okay, two trade rumors. I think Kluber's gone and hmm, I can't really think of a second one. So why don't you throw one Sonny at me? Sonny Gray. Okay, he's uh, gone. We, we said notable, Sean. Now you're really you didn't make any. He's notable. To this There's game. like ten, ten. He's got ten. He's teams not notable in my eyes, but okay, fine. Kluber, Kluber, and or Bauer, Kluber slash Bauer, because I think they keep one of them. Yep. And Sonny Gray. All right. And then as for the free agents, I think a little bit less notable, but I think Jay Happ. Mm-hmm. And I think hmm, my second free agent is probably Andrew Miller. Yeah, I was just going to say that too. Yeah. yeah, so I stole your thunder on that one. I think, and you were pro- you probably thought I was going to say Harper or Machado. No, I don't expect those guys to go I during think the they're meetings. Gonna, I think they're really going to drag it out, especially Machado. I actually think Machado is one of the last guys to sign. Well, especially because he said he wants to do kind of like a free agent tour, like go to all the cities. A little recruitment team. trip. Yeah, that, that really want him and, and see the stadiums and... Although, you know, when you've been in the league for eight I was gonna years, say, I think you, you haven't know been him. to all of them. Yeah. So that was kind of weird to hear him say. So I totally agree with you. I, I think one of the relievers, and I think Hap, you know, he's the next domino of the starting pitching. One guy we haven't mentioned is Dallas Keuchel. I'm really interested to see what happens with him. Does a team overpay for him because they think somebody else is going to go nuts for him if they lose out on Hap? Or. Does he capitalize and wait until Hap signs and then says, "Ooh, he just got that. I'm a lot younger, less innings. I'm I'm gonna try to capitalize and maybe go double." If Hap Are the Yankees three. involved? Heyman threw that out there. I don't know. I I, I would rather again. I don't want to hear. What's he's it a gonna fallback. cost? And what's the years? Right. Five. Yeah, if it's five, no thanks. No, no, no. I would take a four though. Yeah, I would prefer a three. I look at him kind of like a Valdi. Um, so I, I would look at that, but again, to me, if the, if the years work out and the money works out, that's fine with me, but don't overpay just to overpay. You know, if you lose out on some starting pitching that you thought was going to be more within your price range and year range, and it didn't work out, that's fine. Don't, don't do what they've done in the past, which is then overpay for the plan B guys stick to your plan. You know, you still have some young prospects like Alo Isaga. You've still got plenty of opportunity on the trade market where even if it's not for a Kluber or a Bauer or or a Bumgarner, there's still guys out there. I mean, I think I don't think that you can possibly keep Sonny Gray after telling teams and him that he's gone. Uh, I think that's a bad idea. So, you know, whether you buy low on a guy, I mean, I look at some of the guys that got non-tendered. Shelby Miller, who has as high of upside as anything anybody in three years ago was involved in a massive trade you know hasn't worked out in Arizona no, but he's had some inc- really high flashes he was non-tendered so you can get him for nothing so again it, it, to me it's going to be does Ga- does Dallas T- Keuchel work out if he works out that's awesome I wouldn't mind having him but don't uh, don't overpay for him it's the same with Evaldi don't overpay for him and if Jay Happ wants four love you Jay Happ no thanks. You know you're getting. No, it's more. And the whole point of this, and the whole backstory to this, and and whatever is, um, I don't care about the money. I care about the years. Right. And I think you're on the same page there. Yeah. Because well, you just said that earlier was, pay Jay Happ whatever he wants for three. I don't care if Philly comes in with a crazy Godfather offer, whatever. Well, because the need but, for him is there. Exactly, but the years are what's important. Well, the reason that I kind of said, you know, just wildcard it with a couple names from both the free agent and the trade market is I kind of wanted to see where you were feeling like as far as what's the urgency around the league to sign or make deals. You know, I think a Kluber deal 
is going to be around for a while, but what's the urgency? Do you think that the Indians want to move him now and, and gain as much traction as they can? Or do they say, we're going to take our best bet? It sounds like to me that they want to move on from him, which is why I agree with you from a trade standpoint. I think he's I think he's going to be one of the first to go, and he's going to be a part of a blockbuster. As far as free agency is concerned, Andrew Miller makes a lot of sense because he's gotten his big four-year deal. He's coming off a tough year. You know that you're being told that Zach Britton's going to make more than you, maybe even David Robertson. But if you can slide in a two- or three-year deal and it makes a lot of sense and maybe a team like the St. Louis Cardinals doesn't want to pay for a Zach Britton or maybe you know the New York Yankees say, we loved your time here and we're, we're not going to try to get Zach Britton on a four- or five-year deal, so come on back, maybe the Mets too. I think another guy that we're forgetting, and, and it seems like the Marlins have been hesitant to move him, but they've got to come down to reality to understand how to move a guy like that if you do want to move him because he's not serving you any good on your team is JT Realmuto. They've got to move him, whether it's to the Padres, the Mets, somebody's got they've got to understand, even the Braves, I know they resigned or they have flowers and they signed McCann, but that's a great catcher. Hitting is he's one of the best in the league, and defensively he's right up there with some of the best in the league. And they've been asking for ridiculous prices, which is kind of crazy because you had no problem giving away a Christian Yelich who just won the MVP. Giancarlo, I put a little different category. That contract was insane. But you trade Yelich, you trade Ozuna, you know, you let Bohr go. I mean, basically everybody that had value, it, you you were able to get trade. You were able to trade. If the Mets offer you, you know, Brandon Nimmo as a centerpiece. I think you got to do that. If the Padres offer one of their top young players for him, I think you got to do that. Don't ask for four or five. It's ridiculous because every year that you keep him out of the out of trade talks and keep it unrealistic, you're losing a chance, another year of, of productivity and another year of value. I think he's very highly likely to get moved. Yeah, I think he's another trade guy that that's definitely gone. I mean, they've done a complete teardown and. Having an all-star catcher for a team that's probably going to win what sixty games. Yep. What's the point? So. Uh, and they weren't as bad as people thought they were going to be this year, and I get that. But the National League East, as as you alluded to, to begin I didn't this even podcast, mention them. So. Well, no, but you said. I mean, everybody's making decisions and, and and player personnel decisions to to improve themselves to win now because I think they look at the Braves and say, yeah, they're real good, but are they any better than if we make this move? The Mets have been very active. The Phillies got Segura. They've got a lot of money. The Nationals signed Corbin, who was the best free agent starter on the market. So the Marlins have to understand that if they want to actually continue, to, you can't be half pregnant. You can't trade Stanton, Ozuna, and Yelich all in one offseason and then say that JT Real Muto is untradeable. He's not, especially as a catcher. He can go downhill real, feel, real fast. Yeah, absolutely. But the winter meetings just started, so we'll have to be tweeting out. I mean, social media has going to be a lot of moves made suit, in the next few days. We'll have to be tweeting some reactions out and and everything like that. I'm sure Sean's got an article coming out soon on our amazing website, SorrySports.com. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Hopefully, the Yankees can make some of the right moves. Sean's talk me off the ledge a little bit with Gene with uh, not Gene Carlo with. Uh, Machado, Machado. So. Yep, and again, we're in agreement, but you got to have those conversations because if we just got on a pod and just said, "Oh yeah, man, totally agree," that's not that fun, especially right. when the other side is very valid and probably what Cashman's thinking. Absolutely. And, so, and as one of your sports fathers, you should know this. Ah, uh, I know, but I'm 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 mesmerized by this guy. <laughs> I really am. Uh, Machado. But, yes. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Let's and and my dad, of course. But let's move on to the NBA. We'll talk about a league that's actually going on right now. Um, the Lakers seem to express some interest in Trevor Ariza, and I have to say, boy, that was quick. I think from a Phoenix point of view, I mean, they thought they were going to be a lot better than they were this year. In my opinion, they're the biggest disappointment in the league, personally. They've been terrible. Um, and, and listen, Miles Bridges, another thing, he's been playing great. So, I mean, Josh Jackson has taken a massive step back. I think that he's another trade chip. And he, these guys that are former lottery picks, not to veer off track of the Ariza thing, but I like taking stock in these guys that are former lotteries because... I mean, you look at a guy like Emmanuel Moutier, the number seven overall pick, fell out of favor with Jamal Murray and Gary Harris in Denver. He's playing for the Knicks now, and he's playing big-time minutes. D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, exactly. And 
I know I said he doesn't have much of a future on this team. He's either one hell of a trade ship or he may have a future on this team. Yeah. Well, honestly, he's a young guy. He he basically was a one and done because he did that one year in China as opposed to going to SMU with uh, another all-time cheater, Larry Brown. Big fan of his. <laughs> um, but I, I, would, I wouldn't mind him or Patino coaching St. John's, to be honest with you. All right, get back to your um, But, again, these guys that are lottery picks – uh, back to Josh Jackson, I think he's going to get traded, and it might be a swap for another lottery pick, a la Markel Fultz or something. That's really interesting. Okay, do they use him with Ariza? Um, no, I think Ariza's more of a pick trade, especially because he's rumored to be looked at by the Lakers. The Lo- I just, think LeBron just call James Jones. You you've made your yeah, case on this. Clearly, LeBron's focused in on the Suns. Next thing you know, DeAndre Ayton, since him and uh, LeBron are such boys, will be getting traded for nothing. But I mean, seriously, I think that Ariza will be on the Lakers, and I think he's definitely a good player for them. LeBron likes shooters, and that guy's a shooter and a perimeter defender. Yeah, and you said during the summer when when you know we were prognosticating what Houston was going to be, and I mentioned they lost Ariza, and you kind of you know scoffed at that a little bit and said, well, you know, he was really on the downhill, and he had a couple, he, he didn't play nearly as well. No, I didn't. I said that was a big loss for them See, because I, if you I don't remember, because that's a perimeter defender and a guy who can hit corner threes. No, no, he is, but you were saying, eh, his, his productivity has gone down, and, and, you know, they'll be able to find it. And to be honest with you, I didn't think you were wrong, but it clearly has hurt them. They don't have that presence, and they don't have Mbamute either. So they, they've really lost that presence. They could really use Ariza back. I think if somehow the Lakers don't get him, I think Houston Houston tries to get him again. And he would help either team immensely because he has been better. He didn't really have a down downward turn. He's still a very productive and useful player on a winning team. And round two with the Lakers for him could be really good. Yeah, absolutely. And for the record, the Knicks did draft him in the second round. That's right. Unfortunately. Yep. Had a great Knicks career. <laughs> yeah, all of what one to two years, and then he went to Orlando or I something. I don't remember him with the Knicks, so no, I just not have to let you know. Um, but let's move on. We'll have to see how that one goes. So, who are the two biggest disappointments in the league for you? I said the Western Conference is definitely the Phoenix Suns. What, what do you think? I think it's right up there. I think the Suns are definitely up Utah there. Utah Jazz. I was gonna say Houston, and I know it's mm. easy, but. They don't look like they're just going through growing pains and figuring things out. They look lost. I think they poured so much into last year, and they did something for Flash that, regardless of the sport, is not good. Clint Capella is not living up to that deal. That no, they but gave they him. they you know they they allowed a you know a Trevor Reason a, a Luke and Mute to to leave and went for Carmelo Anthony and it really didn't make any sense then and it clear clearly didn't work and they tried to just you know excommunicate him and get him out of there and kind of use him as a scapegoat which didn't help because they still have the same problems they're terribly they're terrible defensively Chris Paul has not been tremendous they got blown out by Utah last Thursday I was watching that game in a game where Rudy Gobert was tossed uh two minutes two minutes into the game so if you're losing by that much, they just don't look like they're playing with a lot of heart. And it doesn't look like they have really any idea what they're doing. They know the sink, the ship is sinking and they can't really do anything about it. And this doesn't seem like, you know, for me, the Celtics aren't really a disappointment when we go over to the East because I want to get your take on it first. But I don't really think that they're a disappointment. I think they're just trying to work a bunch of shit yeah, out they're with, trying a, with, with a great player yeah. who missed all of last year and try to just get the rotation down because they know they're going to need him if they want to get to where they want to be, which is the NBA Finals and eventually holding the championship. For the Rockets, I don't see that at all. I see a team that's lost. I see a team that's playing non-inspired basketball, and they have to be the biggest disappointment. I'm not really you know, going out on a limb, but you know, Phoenix, I thought, was a team that I didn't pick them to go nearly as high as you did, but I thought there was potential because they have the Josh Jackson and they had DeAndre Ayton. My biggest thing with Ayton was I was like, okay, you draft him, even though you and I were both on the Luka train, maybe not, me not as much as you, but that's because it's hard to be more of a Luka fan than you. But I thought that he was a you, – you could justify that pick because maybe right off the bat it was going to take a little getting used to. But he's going to be a player, you know, in two or three years where you're like, wow, he is a fucking stud. So if he did go through the growing pains, like I kind of 
a p- picture that he would. Well, he's putting up numbers. That's yeah, for but sure. he's not. He he's putting up numbers, but they're hollow. I don't I don't see him being a difference maker. So I that's why I would go with Houston. Okay, yeah, and then from an Eastern Conference point of view, I, I think it's probably the Wizards. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they're talking about trading Bradley Beal, they can't get off of John Wall, and I know they've had John a... John Wall had one point in a game the other day. Oh, my God. I know they've had somewhat of a resurgence lately, but I think it's a little fake. Um, and Dwight Howard's obviously still not playing, so that signing didn't really work out for them, but... I just think this Wizards team went all in on the wrong players, John Wall, Otto Porter, and obviously Dwight Howard, and it has not worked out, and Scotty Brooks has got to be on the hot seat. Oh, I, I think he's I, I think he's gone, maybe even before the season ends. Um, I thought the Heat were going to be better. Yeah. They're, and I know you weren't that high on him. You you were one of the few that went with the Magic, and you're looking very smart, my friend. You you definitely saw something. And, and How long have we had this pod for? Since February of last year, we should be used to that by now. Okay, you try to say that every time I give you a compliment. I'm just done because you're wrong a lot. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you for the credit. Now those no now they're now they're done. You're not getting any more. Um, but yeah, I I didn't see that coming just because they've been loaded with talent for a, a while and they just never put it together. It looks like they finally are, you know, at least to their standards. The Heat I thought would be better. They have some trade chips. I don't know whether they have to shake something up and make a big splash, maybe go pursue a Bradley Beal or take advantage. I know they were really in the market for Jimmy Butler. That would maybe put him over, but that team doesn't look good. I mean, Whiteside leaving the bench with 48 seconds left in a close game, just basically saying I'm fucking tired Whiteside, of it. Whiteside has had some issues the last few years. He has, and they paid him, you know, and, and that contract's starting to look immovable too because no matter how productive he can be, it doesn't seem like he's really all in, and if you, and the only teams that would be trying to get a player of that potential or of that skill set, rather, is a team that's trying to win. And I think GMs around the league are probably identifying he's not a guy you win with. It does, at least it doesn't seem that way because that team should be better. That they're not a great team, but they should be better than eleven and fourteen. Yeah, I, they should at least be in the playoff hunt for the for the sixth seed. So yeah, so to me, and they're not even in the hunt. So. No, so so to me that you know they're they're definitely one of the biggest disappointments. So let's move on to some Heisman talk. We unfortunately have to talk college football this week. It's award week, and there's been some big news in college football. So we'll lead off with Kyler Murray, as pretty much everyone predicted, including Las Vegas with the odds. Kyler Murray won the Heisman. And I think he's still going with baseball, but great year for Kyler Murray. Yeah, he said he is, and Scott Boris, who is his agent, look at that. Even during the winter meetings, he's saying, yeah, don't worry, Kyler Murray's a focus. Just to deviate, and the the agreement was with the A's that, you know, he would play the year of college football and, and then move on. And I guess if you say, yeah, I guess I'll play some football while I wait to go to spring training and my $9 million signing bonus, I'll win a Heisman Trophy and play in a college football playoff, that's kind of a nice little thing to have. Um, guy's a stud athlete. Um, he definitely deserved it. I mean, Tua kind of fell off the last few weeks. I, I definitely think, you know, being a prisoner of the moment, people looked at the last few games that Kyler Murray won and, and put up tremendous numbers in games that without him, Oklahoma loses. You know, Tua didn't play in a lot of very close games, and, and the Georgia game, he ended up getting hurt and, and uh you know, he wasn't able to lead the he wasn't able to lead the comeback. Jalen Hurts was so. I think when you look at that, it makes sense. Uh, there's always that quote unquote Heisman moment. I don't think Tua ever had that. I think Tua was just great. But I got no problem with with uh, Murray winning. He definitely you deserved do. it. You do a little bit. I don't, man. That's your boy, bro. It's okay. It's cute. No, it's really cute. It's totally fine. Awards. Uh, the only award I want I want to see Tua do is, is holding the national championship trophy. That's fine. I don't need to see him holding the Heisman. But that was awesome for Kyler Murray. And you know what? The two will get to face off in the first in in one of the semifinal games, and that's Absolutely. gonna be a lot of fun. Let me ask you this: Last two years, Oklahoma has had two Heisman quarterbacks. What does that say about Lincoln Riley? It says he's a fantastic coach. It also says that the Big Twelve is a joke of defensively. Yeah. But Listen, what does that say awesome. for his NFL implications? I don't know. I don't think he's going to the NFL. I, I not yet. I think he's going to have another year in college. But if a team wows him, maybe a team gets desperate. Maybe the Packers just say we need you. It doesn't seem like Dallas is going to do it because when we talk tomorrow about the Cowboys, I think they're going to lock up everybody. 
Dallas. So, Dallas looks like they have another Vince Lombardi out there on the field. That's that cute. was a hell of a call on fourth down too, having Zeke run instead of going instead of kicking the field goal. Sure was, and you know what? They don't need Lincoln Riley, but I think Lincoln Riley. It sounds like Oklahoma or uh, Ohio State is not going to pursue anybody. They have Ryan Day taking over, and they said they feel good about that. And so, so why don't we talk about? But I was that, just going to say you're going to bury it over here. I was just going to say Meyer, Sean's favorite guy, Sean's sports dad. Actually, you're a bad, bad human being. Um, steps down at Ohio State, and what do you? How do you feel about this? Let me just say this to finish my last thought. I think Lincoln Riley is going to be a hell of a head coach at a in an, in the NFL. It's not yet, and it says to answer your question, it says that he's really good at coaching mobile, awesome throwing quarterbacks when there's no defense to be seen in that league. Um, to go to Urban Meyer, I'm not surprised. I think uh, you could have seen this coming in the summertime. Um, really doesn't look healthy, and we know he's not healthy. That's not a cop out. Like he's not well. Um, but the stress of that whole situation killed him. You could see, you know, it, it was very laborious. And him coaching up Ohio State, listen, he's a tremendous football coach. We all know that. No matter – I don't think he's retiring. He, he said that when he left Florida. That's bullshit. He'll go to work for ESPN for a little bit or whoever takes him, maybe Fox, because they seem like they want all the old ESPN guys. And he'll do a couple years, and then a USC calls or a – Another high-profiled school calls, maybe Clemson if Dabo ever leaves, and and they throw a truckload of money at him, and he says, yeah, yeah, I'll build them back up, and we spoke about this a few weeks ago, and and I gave you my take on it. Well, last week because that's when it came out. I think he I think he stays in the booth for a year, maybe two years. I think he coaches the South Carolina Gamecocks. Listen, that's a that's a university. The one thing he hasn't done, you know. He hasn't gone to a team that's totally been down. He went to Florida when Florida wasn't at its best, but it's still Florida. To go to USC, the South Carolina, that would be really interesting and, and kind of do like a Spurrier, like take over a, a program that's that should be a lot better than it really ever is and uh, going back into the SEC East. That, that would be quite the move. That would be quite the move. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure we'll enjoy watching him on do, Fox or wherever I for do the think next Ohio State is in good shape, though, because Ryan Day is a really good offensive coordinator, and, and you know Urban Meyer was prepping him to be the next head coach at some point. Listen, the Big Ten is wide open. And they and, might and keep they doing Haskins now, much, too, because so. there's been rumors that Haskins is going to be the first quarterback taken if he does go pro. Maybe they feel like if they keep Ryan Day, who's had Haskins in his system, it'll convince him to stay for another year. I think I, don't know. I honestly think, especially if this uh, Dwayne Haskins hype train keeps rolling, I mean, come on, if you're being told that you're going to be a top 10 pick, basically a lottery pick for the NFL. You just lost your head coach. You just lost your head coach. But aside from that, I don't care if, um, you know, I don't care if Bear Bryant himself is your head coach or, or um, what's his face? Your your boyfriend Nick Saban Nick Saban yeah sorry no, he's my name. sports grandfather yes um if you're getting that guaranteed money and you're a top ten pick you got to take it same thing with all these NBA guys you got to take well, it well you would think so yeah I guess the only thing is is if scouts are saying listen you might be taken but you're really not ready it's, so what yeah no so I, what? I I agree well, I, who cares wherever they take you is where they take you it's just amazing how things can change in a year though because right now we're talking how loaded next year's draft is going to be but what if Tua doesn't have a great year what if Trevor Lawrence gets hurt. What if you know Justin Herbert's really bad? I think the odds are against him next year, and this if is Jake his time Fromm to go. Loses his I will put my money spot. that he declares for the draft. Okay, and I'd probably agree with you, but I think they made this head coaching decision to do everything they could to keep him, and also, you know, the structure of the offense. They've got a lot of skills, positions, guys who are going to be back next year in Columbus. So we'll see Urban Meyer coach in the Rose Bowl probably win that game, and then you know say right goodbye the for sunset. a couple years. Absolutely. So let's move on to some more coaching news. Cliff Kingsbury was fired by Texas Tech, but he did not stay unemployed for very long, hired as offensive coordinator of USC. I thought he could have done better than this. I did too. I, I guess he wants to I guess he wants to go to another high profile program, lead the offense because USC's offense. Where did he coach at before Texas Tech? He's been at Texas Tech for so long. I can't mm. remember where. I know he's he's been there for for a couple years, and he's been he's one of the top innovators as far as offensive scheme is concerned. But I think if he can bring 
his style over to the Pac-12, which is still a pretty high-profiled offensive conference. And it's USC. And it's USC. Build up your recognition there, and then maybe go get another head coaching job at a higher profile. See, that's the thing with these college programs is coaches leave all the time or they they jump ship to the next best job that's open. It's not even so much for the NFL. And I think if one of these high-profile jobs opens up from a head coaching standpoint, he's going to be – putting up a lot of numbers at USC, develop a quarterback or two. And I I think he looked at this as an opportunity to just solidify himself. Kind of like, you know, we've seen a couple of really, really good former head coaches who fell on some hard times. I don't really think Cliff Kingsbury is a bad coach. He was a product of having to play Oklahoma and you play in the big 12 where you don't develop defense, but you had Patrick Mahomes. And you did have uh, Baker, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield too, so obviously he can he can attract really great quarterback prospects. So maybe he can do that at Southern Cal, who's starving to be great again. Hasn't had a good quarterback in a long time. Hey, hey, Cody Kessler's not good. Sam Darnold went there. Oh right. Well, he's okay. <laughs> Fuck you. All right, so let's move on no, to the last. No, you know I love Darnold. Let's move on to the last head coaching news. Um, this one is long overdue. It happened like a month ago or something like that. Former LSU head coach and national championship winner, Les Miles, coaching the Kansas Jayhawks. How do you feel about that? I think, honestly, you got nothing to lose when it comes to Kansas. I mean, the only thing I can really remember was that Akeem Tlaib and Chris Harris went there and that they were coached by... Charlie Weiss's corpse. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, it's good to see that he won't be manning the sideline. No, I think this is very interesting. Les Miles seems like he's a guy that is not going to go with the status quo, and he could have held out for a better job. But I think if he shows he can – he doesn't have to win with Kansas. He just has to get them better. If he can get them into a notable bowl game, if they can contend in the Big 12 against an Oklahoma, an Oklahoma State – a Texas who seems to be on the rise, uh, an Iowa State. I think that if he can build that team up, Kansas State too. I mean, there's a lot of good competition in the Big 12. Maybe not national championship competition outside of, you know, your Oklahomas, but there's a lot of good competition. If he can go there and build that program up and and then get another job where he might want to be, that's awesome for him. I was really surprised I saw he went to Kansas because Kansas is not, a football school never really has been aside from those two guys that you mentioned that's that they're not known for winning so we'll see what he can do but that was an interesting move for sure yeah absolutely and i'm excited to see him eat some grass over there at, uh, <laughs> at kansas so speaking of kansas let's talk about this the sport that they're actually known for uh produce wilt chamberlain believe it or not i don't know if you knew that but yeah. um that is the Kansas Jayhawks at number one. We're going to talk about probably the top ten and talk about some other college basketball here. Kansas moves up to number one after Gonzaga is down by Tennessee in quite a game this past Saturday. Um, so the top five is Kansas, Duke, Virginia, Tennessee moving up to four, Michigan at five, sticking around there. Yeah, I mean, that, there's been some shakeup. I, I have to say, and we're not even in conference play yet, we keep this saying that. year of college basketball has already been awesome. They've done a hell of a job with the with the scheduling. They have, and and, and credit to the coaches too for for putting their teams in these tournaments and and playing these great out of conference games and and maybe you know you don't have to worry. This isn't college football. If you lose a, if you lose a tough game on the road or at home, you know it's no big deal. Uh, Gonzaga losing at home. Uh, to Tennessee, they're going to be right there. They play in the in that conference where they're just going to cakewalk. Tennessee, I know, had a loss earlier. This team is really, really good, and I, I expect them to be an Elite Eight team. I would be actually surprised if they weren't, obviously based off the matchups, which will determine itself in a couple of months. But I think the SEC this year, we kind of did this in our light preview with Will, I think the SEC this year is just going to be a dogfight. Yeah. Coach Kyle has his hands full. For, he used to own that league, but now now there's a few good teams because Auburn is as well is in the top ten. They're right so. up there, yep. Yeah, the, the SEC's got a lot of juice this year. Number six is Gonzaga, seven Nevada at 10-0 and 0 still. We expect them to run the table yeah, in their they, conference play. They may run the table this year. Very very well could. I mean, they're, they're returning everybody from last year, and they were a really good team last year. I think Sweet 16, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe they even snuck into the Elite Eight, but they're a really good team. They don't play anybody. 
they they were able to prove themselves against some good competition early. Yes, I do consider Loyola Chicago good competition, especially because they were at Loyola Chicago and they trounced them. So I think Nevada, they're going to be a top 10 team all year. I'd be surprised if they ever fell out. Yeah, and then obviously I mentioned Auburn at number eight. Michigan State, who I really am not feeling this year, they already have two losses going into conference play in the Big Ten. I'm really not that confident in them. I think they're going to fall out. Probably to the top, maybe they'll probably be like 18, 19 by the end of the year. I definitely want to amend the comment I made during the preview of how I wasn't sure how good the Big Ten was going to be because we saw a lot of those teams on like the 22, 23, 24, 25 ranked. Yeah, I was wrong. The Big Ten's really good. Ohio State, since that, since we did our preview, won two really good games. They're 14. They're awesome. Michigan has been insane. I, I don't know if anybody's had a more impressive start to the season than them. And there's a lot of other good competition that I didn't necessarily see coming. If, yeah. if Michigan State, they're not going to have the ability to play in a watered-down conference. Iowa's really good, too. They have some statement wins, especially what they did to Oregon and MSG about a month ago. I, I, this is not going to be an easy road for them, and I agree with you, dude. I'm not feeling them, and you know how I feel about Izzo. I, he's a really good coach, but I feel like he gets way more credit than he deserves, and, and he's going to have to earn that. Another team that we hadn't discussed as far as Big Ten – Wisconsin is great. Wisconsin's really, yeah, really they're, good. Yeah, they're in there at number 19. So a lot of Big Ten teams sprinkled in the top 20. Um, the last team rounded out the top 10 is Florida State. They have a lot of good athletes on that team. Yeah, I I, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but they, they beat UConn uh, at the Prudential Center this weekend. And um, UConn ended up only losing by 10, but that game really in the second half wasn't close. Florida State has... Like you said, dude, they have some freaking athletes on that team, and they took it to UConn pretty well. So I think that not that UConn's the best measure of competition, but I think in a really good ACC, they're gonna be they're gonna be right there. Remember, they were a bad coaching decision away last year from from advancing in the tournament, and I think as far as athleticism is concerned, that you can stack them up with anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Other than maybe Duke and then, and then a few ridiculous. a few other teams inside. Well, yeah, a, a few other teams that were inside the top 25 that I just wanted to mention before we uh, end this podcast. Um, Arizona State at number 20. I mean, they're always a problem because Hurley's just a really, really good coach. He is, yep. And then the last team is Villanova has found their way into the top 25. So those two losses... Seemed to be a little bit of a stumble, but again, Villanova with Jay Wright, they're going to figure it out. Yeah, we expected that. I mean, I think they they just got snuck up on by by Michigan. I don't think they really ever saw that coming. And then losing to Furman, that was a really bad loss. But Furman's now a decent team. I mean, we we've talked about it. We've talked. Yeah, Furman uh, fell out of the top twenty-five. No, they're twenty-third right now. I have so. I have Maryland. Uh, You might be looking at last week's or something, but I have Maryland this week. Furman received votes. Sorry, I dropped my phone there. (laughs) Furman received votes. You're wrong, Sean. You're wrong. (laughs) But um, they're out of the top 25. But we knew Villanova was going to round into it. That's a young team. We mentioned that during the college basketball preview, they lost their three best players in Jalen Brunson, Dante DiVincenzo, and um, Spellman, I believe his name was. So who's on Atlanta now? Um, But... They're going to figure it out with Jay Wright, and this has been a really fun college basketball season to start the year. It's great, and I, I think they've done so much good for their sport. You know, to, to start it off when you're dealing with the NFL and you're dealing with college football and you know, ba- the NBA, those are three you know leagues and and and, and uh, you know sports that are really hard to to argue with, question, and also compete against. And the fact that they're able to dominate kind of that Thanksgiving week weekend with all those tournaments while college football has their rivalry weekend and the NBA is in full swing and the NFL has their slate of their, of uh, Thanksgiving games into the middle of the season. It's awesome. It, it's They've done a really good job. Lots of great teams. And we're going to have a fun year to talk about college basketball. Absolutely. So that about wraps it up. We will be back tomorrow night with our NFL pod. Did you win your sperm bank? I was going to say, I'm just going to say it right now. Lost my sperm bank pick of the week. The Browns fucked me the week before because I picked them, and the Browns fucked me this week because I picked the Panthers. Two weeks. I got two weeks left. Can you see the fair in my eyes? This is hilarious. I'm enjoying it. Let's talk about it tomorrow. Absolutely. We will talk to you guys tomorrow night. Have a great night, guys.